0: Welcome to The Vanderpoint. Please join your hosts Jessica Vanderkoy and Rachel Pointer as they challenge each other and have critical conversations about disrupting and dismantling the systems that fuel human trafficking.
1: When people started using that term, um, what came with it was images. So when, you know, 10 years ago and unfortunately, I don't know if it happens on the coast but in the Midwest even as recently as last year, when we talked about trafficking, and we use the term modern day slavery, the images that came with it were, you know, pictures of people in um, restrained, in dark places, and just images that one didn't really represent trafficking, how it exists for most people. But two, I think when we use the word slavery, because of the historical context, and because of, I don't know if I know the exact word for this. Uh, it's a way of making it other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's a way of saying them, not us. It's a way of saying those people and not me. It's a way of saying their kids, not my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, That coach, not my husband coach, Um, (laughs) you know? uh, Right. (laughs) And so I think that's what, you know, sort of it just, that's where I'm at. But what are, you, what are your thoughts or, like, feelings that come up with the word modern-day slavery, which we know was written into legislation. Obama uh-huh. used it. Uh-huh. Um, it, was, it was pushed from a federal level. And maybe in the moment people thought, yeah, that's, that's really a way to describe it, and it made sense. But now that we're having a conversation about shitty words and shitty labels leading to shitty outcomes – What's the problem with modern day slavery?
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, it that is one of my one of my phrases that like immediately gets under my skin and almost automatically tells me that you don't know what you're talking about. Not that trafficking itself isn't a form of slavery. However, just like what you were talking about, when this phrase began to be more widely used, the imagery that came along with the word, because it's not just the word, it's, it's like some marketing person put together a plan that said, we're going to inform people about this problem. And we're mm-hmm. going to use this phrase, and here's this whole package of branded images we're going to send out with it. Mm-hmm. And the imagery that comes along with that term is actually what's the most problematic to me. Right? Partially, it's like a hijacking of um, let's let's hijack the whole idea of transatl- uh, transatlantic slavery. Right? Let's let's hijack that whole idea. We're yeah. modernizing it. Mm-hmm. So already you have connected now this issue with um, tearing out of a home, transporting hundreds of miles away through some nefarious means and, you know, selling you off to the highest bidder. That's automatically part of how your thinking is. Going, mm-hmm. but the imagery that comes along with this phrase is that it is the dark places people in chains, but who's in chains? It's always the white person that's in chains, right? So to me, when we're and, and it's always like this scared white little girl, right, yeah. with the mascara stained face, and who is the other image. If there's another body part, usually the hand over the mouth, right? Right. What color is it? Right. Right. So we've we have established this imagery that goes along with this hijacked term. Now it's the white people who are in chains by the black man, which just feeds into the the white van in the box store parking lot narrative. By yeah. the way. Mm-hmm. that that we're we have every reason to be terrified of dark skinned people because they drive around big store parking lots in white vans looking for some blonde haired blue eyed little girl to right. snatch out of the parking lot in broad daylight while her mother is standing right there right right yeah so the the imagery is this We've already created this space where people of color are the bad guys. And so when we do encounter victims or people who've been victimized, who are people of color, we're less likely to believe them. Right. We are more likely to ignore their accounts of what trafficking and exploitation looks like. Because in our heads, we say, well, that's not modern day slavery. Modern day slavery is some little white girl chained up in a basement. Right with a dark skinned man holding her captive, mhm-, so to me, it's just another way of there's there's two things going on here you can already tell my blood is like er um
1: <laughs> i know i'm I'm using um best podcast partner etiquette by not interrupting you right now because <laughs> I mean, on fire, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate
0: you. <laughs> Yeah, so like to me, there's two things really going on. One is that we as as white folks, we want to switch the narrative. We're going to take over this term, we're going to switch the narrative to make it look like we're the victims consistently, constantly. And in this new phrase, it's a new kind of trafficking. Mm -hmm. Also, no, it's not. But that's where we are changing the narrative to make it look like we're the victims. Secondly, right. we have changed the narrative and like
1: that hasn't happened 10,000 times in history. Right, right. Let's let yeah. <laughs>
0: by switching by switching that narrative about who is the victim, we've also switched the narrative about who's the perpetrator and we then let the folks who are actually victimizing other people off the hook. We're not looking for them anymore. It's the same problem with the with the white van in the parking lot of the big store. Yep. Same problem. We're looking for some dark-skinned person that we don't know who just gives us the creeps. That's who we're looking for. We're not looking for our senators who happen to be middle-aged white men. We're not looking for our coaches of gymnastics teams. We're not looking for those people. We're not looking for Uncle Ned. Uh-huh. We're not looking for those people at all because we've changed the narrative to make us be the victims, us as white folks, be right. the victims, and for people of color, specifically men of color, to be the perpetrators. Right. We're, it justifies yeah. how we continue to oppress and box in and squash down.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's predictable in the way that um, how this is built, it perpetuates and... Uh, strengthens a narrative that has been available and pushed for years and years and years, you know, hundreds of years. Right. Right. Um, My question to you on that is, do you think that the way the narrative has been pushed, With the idea of modern day slavery, exactly what you just described, and the um, placing the little white blonde girl as the victim and a person of color as the perpetrator, a man. Um, And by the way, we know that women traffic and are involved in exploiting other women and children. (laughs) Um, Do you think that that narrative has impacted the way Our country has funded the work of of anti-trafficking. There was huge booms of federal dollars made available over the last several years. People cared more about trafficking and did not give a shit about sexual assault or domestic violence, both of which are present in the crime of trafficking. I used to say there's no way for you to care about trafficking. or There's no way for you to care about trafficking if you don't care about domestic violence and sexual assault. But where did all the money go to? (laughs) <laughs> How is this funded?
0: How well, now come- you want to talk about philanthropy and okay. funding. Oh. And we know that those are inherently racist white supremacist systems. Yes, absolutely. Financial district is 100% fucked up <laughs> and absolute. I mean, yeah, it absolutely did because we're, we're not looking for folks who've been victimized that don't look white. Right. We don't want to fund. We, oh, well, Let me let me back that up a second. If we fund organizations, programs, agencies, folks who are doing anti-trafficking work who primarily serve and slash or are people of color, we do it because we want to feel good about ourselves as white people. We are coming in and saving the day. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, as the white savior, we do fund those things.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all these characters have to be present in this narrative for power to be balanced or for power to be in its place the way that it has been for years and years and years. So you have to have the victim looking a certain way, right? You have absolutely. to have the perpetrator look a certain way um, and to continue this narrative that's been present for so long. Um, you know, we see this today in... Um, who do we look for? What crimes do we solve? I'd like to mention some of those names of crimes that have not been solved and um, and where we put our energies because I do think it mirrors the way trafficking was funded. Our program that that I led over the last four-plus years was funded fairly. It, we had money to do creative things and help people work through um kind of a a new re-entry into a world and society that they hadn't been a part of whether it was housing whether it was um you know through activities and social things and connections and all of these things when we look at all the things that have to take place but I just don't think that we would have as a nation or a state or as philanthropist I'm not a philanthropist I I don't desire to be one, but I guess I'm noting that that I don't have enough money to be a philanthropist. um, (laughs) Is that that the if the victim on these posters, right, wasn't the white girl with long blonde hair with the mascara, you know, streamed on her face. Would we as a nation have funded anti-trafficking programming and support the way that we have?
0: No, absolutely not, because the people in power are still the creepy White, middle-aged dudes that we built everything to protect. hmm So 100%, we would not. So back to the original question, <laughs> why the
1: fuck is modern-day slavery problematic term (laughs) Well,
0: i think we've already covered that (laughs) i mean i think what happens what happens when we use that phraseology now uh some folks some folks that i respect very much still use that phraseology but they also like they use it to help people understand that that's not what we're talking about so it's not just like i'm gonna throw this term out there but i think what happens is we we limit ourselves Like, this is as graciously as I can say this. We limit ourselves to trafficking and um, exploitation looking one specific way, being perpetrated by one specific kind of person against one specific kind of person. And, And also to this only occurring because of one thing. Modern day slavery exists because a bad guy wants to sell off some white girl right like that's the that's the train of thought when reality is trafficking and exploitation is much more complex it is it exists it is sustained through a much more complex web of of activities of accountabilities and lack of accountabilities of uh, resources and lack of resources things that we allow and don't allow it's much more complex and a trafficker or exploited person can look like anyone we don't want to hear that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: they can be anyone right someone who's victimized by them can look like or be anyone and we don't want to hear that either uh we want to hear and look for this specific person at this specific time of day right like we want a checkbox and there's no checkbox for this um i mean obviously there's some things that we can we can talk about like these are common signs these are common things to look out for these are some common data points that perpetrators share mm-hmm. right we can we can talk about those things but there's no checkbox that says right. like absolutely your uncle john cannot possibly be a trafficker and you know, your, your cousin Jane is not being trafficked or vice versa, you know, like that right. trafficker, this is a trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. There's no checkbox for that. And when we use the term modern day slavery, it's safe in that way. It gives us a box. Yeah. To live inside of and when we talk about trafficking and exploitation, it's much more broad. There's not as much, there's not as much definition to it. Right. It's a lot harder to spot. It's a lot harder to like draw the connections from one part of how we do things in society to another. And also, if we talk about human trafficking and exploitation as it is, there's certain things that we have to be accountable for as white folks specifically. We have to take accountability for yeah, how things happen how our kids behave, how they grow up to be young people who do things that lead to trafficking or lead to exploitation. Um, Like, we have to take accountability for that. We also have to take accountability for how we've protected folks who perpetrate this kind of violence Mm -hmm. in, in like, everything that we do. We have bred these people basically mm-hmm. and, and that's a lot more messy it's not comfortable it makes you like cringy and want to get mad at yourself but then you're like i can't be mad at me so i'll be mad at you cuz if this is modern day slavery <laughs> not trafficking <laughs> like right. you know this isn't this
1: isn't going to be a me problem um right yeah. i can't throw money at this problem right and this is going to be and, and- I mean, one of the things we do know that is actually more defined um, when we look at being able to put it in a box is is actually who the buyers are. That That's actually what we know more about that we can drill mm-hmm. down and better identify who's actually um, running the demand on this business. Yeah. That's an interesting thought, right? Because just, just what you said was... It's hard to pull our reins in and understanding this crime because there's so much intricacy that happens that creates the relationship that leads to this exploitation and all of the things that come with that. But what we do know is who drives the demand. We have a better understanding of demographics there. So, yeah, middle class to upper middle class white men. hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually married with children, usually married, um, professional positions and often not known to law enforcement. So people who purportedly are not getting caught for committing other crimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we look at an equation, right, and of to piece this out. To dismantle it, destroy it, make it so that it's not something that occurs with great health and wealth, which is what it is in our communities. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we pull out what we know, right? With, I mean, that's that's how we solve problems. What do we know? Well, what we do know
0: is who drives the demand. Mm-hmm. So which is something you don't really know when you when you use the word when you use that phrase modern day slavery. The who drives the demand is is incomplete unknown right and It's left to keep it that left way. out of the poster yes it's completely it's left out, out of the poster, the poster. <laughs> so although the white, it's okay. the same people let's right. be honest
1: <laughs> well and then the corner of the the billboard right they don't have that i'm going to be i'm going to be stereotypical but they don't have the white banker with the polo and the khakis sitting up in the corner right as yep. part of the occasion we leave that part out why Let's not talk about white men who are purchasing young people, not and not young people, right? Who are purchasing right. humans uh-huh. um, and feel like they can
0: own them. That shit pisses me off. Now now I'm mad. Now you're mad. Now now the blood is boiling. And and it should make you mad because well I think it should make you mad for a lot of reasons, but like being in the anti trafficking field for so long and recognizing that we haven't touched those folks still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We haven't gotten gotten to the place where we're like, okay, maybe it's time to start. I don't know, finding some kind of accountability for buyers. Yeah, <laughs> or like, how? Let's 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 unravel a little bit why buyers exist in the first place. Yes, please.
1: <laughs> right? I always say, you know, not all men purchase sex, but ninety nine percent of people who purchase sex are men. Right. Um. So that gives us we have to go back into history what are we teaching um, young boys through all of the things right so social structures through media through relationships through all of these things that come you know that come to you without even knowing they're coming to you right that mm-hmm. shape you why is that why do 99% of people who purchase sex are men why, why is that mm-hmm. um, let's
0: solve that Thank you for witnessing today's conversation on the Vanderpoint. Jessica and Rachel hope you will join them next time as they continue engaging in this critical work.